Hey, hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Overkill podcast because we have a guest again, the one and only The Fox, Kerry Golomb. Hello, Kerry. Hello, hello. Thanks for being here. Also, hello, Chris. Hello. Though you are still stuck with me. And if, with The Fox on the podcast, there's basically just one topic we will talk about, handhelds. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, first questions first. Let's start immediately. What's your favorite handheld right now? Uh, to me, my, my favorite handheld right now is the GPD Win Max 2. I did not expect that answer. I thought you would say Steam Deck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Okay, why? Um, well, uh, a lot of people don't. So there are a lot of people that feel like, perception-wise, when they see pictures of the GPD Win Max 2, they don't believe that it is a handheld. Uh, it's actually less less wide than a Steam Deck. Uh, it's comfortable to use, but it's also um, almost counterintuitively more comfortable to use um, in bed um, because of its... It is technically... It is counterintuitive in this manner that it's actually more ergonomic to use than any of the other handhelds. People typically associate how well it rests in your hands as uh, a degree of how good a handheld is. The GPU right. MX2, because it's fairly large vertically and you can pivot the screen, you can make the machine pivot to your posture instead of your posture pivoting to the, the control. The, you know, so in the Steam Deck, you're either pivoting your wrists or you're holding it up or you're doing something else. When you're laying down flat in bed, the GPU Max, you can like rest on your chest and just pivot the screen up, and because all of the weight is basically on your chest and you're just kind of holding the controllers, it is surprisingly the most comfortable device to use in bed. And that goes for every... So people always ask me, like, how does it, you know, how does a smaller device... And I'm, I try to tell them, there's some people that, like, lay sideways when they play in bed, mm. and I, I can't for the life of me do that for anything. Um, no. True. I made, I made a video, like, it was almost like a a throwaway video is just the joke it's called the the switch visor and it's just a 3d printed you know big tunnel that you put on your face and i did that I because that. you know the jo- <laughs> the the joy cons can come off and i was just i just yeah. wanted to play in bed without having to hold the thing on and it was a yeah, joke that's what i did yeah i remember <laughs> when the, when the switch came out you know you get those like those like ipad tablet holders um with like the the arms on them I had yeah. one of those on my bed with just like the screen, the switch screen kind of floating in it. And then the Joy-Cons at the side of me, like under the duvet. You know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So it worked great, but putting a box on your head is even better. <laughs> it's, it was really silly, but tech, you know, everyone in the comments, like, just get an arm, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But nah, you know, I, like I, had a, <laughs> yeah, I had a 3d printer and uh, it was pretty funny, but yeah. So outside, <laughs> like the switch, because the Joy-Cons can come off. Um, yeah. with that adapter, that is a very comfortable way to play in bed because the joy cons, you can sure. be in whatever position you want and then just use the controller. So that is without a doubt, one of the best, uh, features that the switch has. But outside of that, the GPW Max two going along those lines is, um, I've been using it for work so I can connect an eGPU to it so I can get more horsepower on GPU wise. Um, I, you know, it's already very, very performant CPU-wise, not just GPU-wise, but also the battery size is almost 70 watt-hour. So it's, you know, almost double the battery capacity of the Steam Deck. It's 
as much as you could cram into a small form factor as possible in every degree possible. Like it has two M2 slots, a 70 watt hour battery, a 10.1 inch screen. It still manages to be uh, less wide than a Steam Deck. It's taller when you open it up, but when you close it, it's actually easier to cart around with you portably. Like if you were to take a look at the Steam Deck case, it's huge. And putting that into a bag takes up a lot of space. Whereas how much space, yeah. Whereas seeing how much space the the Win Max takes up. So like this is the GPD Win Max. Okay, it's much right. smaller than I expected, actually. Yeah, and this is a Steam Deck. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like listening. He's just showing us it on screen exactly. now. And I feel, I feel the, the like I've seen, I've, so. This is actually far more portable to carry around with me going out because it, you know, clamshells up. So it protects the screen. I don't need a case. I can just kind of throw anything in there. So it has all of these features. It has hole-based joysticks. Everything about it. Uh, it has a Vita-style D-pad. Everything is like aligned to things that I really like. The 10.1 inch screen also, it needs to be said, is like kind of a game changer when you're playing portably. Um, there's a dude on the GPD Discord called Cypher who just got uh, integer scaling working by forcing it, which is just a bizarre thing because AMD supports integer scaling if you go into their um, the adrenaline-based software. They allow it on the device only to external displays. If you try to put it on your internal display, it doesn't give you the option to use integer scaling. So Cypher basically just hacked that in, and now there's integer scaling on the internal display. So you can run 800p because it's a 1600p display, but you do 800p integer scaled up to 1600p, and it just looks right. really nice. It's no <laughs> like interpolation or anything else. So the GPD Max 2 is kind of like a kitchen sink all kind of things, but... The Steam Deck still wins. The Steam Deck still wins in value. Uh, the Steam Deck still mm -hmm. wins in convenience of playing. Um, Steam Deck is still, especially with Steam OS, it still is the most console-like experience that you're going to get anywhere. Like in terms of people, when you say, "Hey, I want to play a PC game," some people are just legitimately scared of that. Um, and you know, for whatever bad experience that they had, like they bought a crappy laptop without realizing it was a crappy laptop and then not having good performance, they just want to buy a PlayStation or buy an Xbox and just start playing. So yeah, the it's Steam not even Deck, just the fear of it, is it? It's just the convenience of it. I, I don't even want to have to deal with that sort of side of things. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, uh, the Steam Deck still wins in that area. And that's because of Steam. Like you think I had the Steam Deck since February, right? Where it was and where it is now is like leagues different. SteamOS 3.4 with its allow frame tearing option. So now we've reduced total input latency at different frequencies of the screen. You can easily change the frequency of this. Like they keep on adding new features that the Steam Deck where it was to where it is today is like vastly different. Um, so the Steam Deck, the Steam Deck is going to win regardless for many reasons. The GPD Win Max 2 sold maybe 10,000 units, maybe. Right. And it won't sell much more than that. So, and that's for every one of these other handhelds. They just, so, they so will not sell. What is it, what does it retail at at the minute? The, the GPD Win Max 2? The Win Max 2, you can still get on the Indiegogo. So the base model, I think is 1100 now. Uh, that's okay, right. one ter one terabyte SSD and 16 gigabyte RAM during the Indiegogo. Yeah, it's, it's a size, sizable difference to the Steam back then. So, okay. Right. Yeah. So even, even if you were to like, 
you say, okay, the 512 gigabyte Steam Deck is 650. It's still too much. Like you can get 20 or 30% better performance by pushing more power, mm. but you're not going to get that in value. Like if it's more of a, it is a fully functional laptop as well. So if you wanted something that was right. just going to be your one and only device, the GPU MX2, especially with eGPU, where you can just kind of say, hey, I want a you know, 3060 or a 2060 driving my main display. You can do that on the GPU MX2. Mm. You can't, you, the only way you can do that on, on Steam Deck is by robbing the M2 slot and doing, you know. So, yeah, I, for me, the GPU MX2, and it's not for everyone, but... The perception is that it's very large, and I get it because when you look at photos, it's like that's a laptop. If you put it yeah. next to a laptop, it's just miles different. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's uh, my current favorite handheld at the moment in terms of cramming as much as possible. It's like how do you make, you know, you think of like The Simpsons. I don't know if you guys have the when Homer is in charge of making a car. And he's like, we have to yeah. have a, a seat in the back for the kids that's in its own dome. And yeah. it's like all these <laughs> other things. If you could imagine just if you go through the bullet list of everything that's on the WinMax 2, like, you know, right. near bezel-less display, 1600p, 10.1 inches, two M2 slots, it just like like LTE, it like literally has uh, pen 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 support on the, the display. Right. Okay. Literally everything that you everything could like. Everything they could w- find just put yeah. it in this. Yeah. Full SD, micro SD, it just keeps going. It's just like, wow, they just okay. put everything in there. And then the have font a cup holder. <laughs> and this is a fun fact of what we back then I, I think that's like a, a term I haven't heard in like ages a netbook like the small yeah. yes. uh, form factor laptops it's actually smaller than a netbook than the original Asus right. Triple E it's smaller than that so you know like it, yes you could consider the, the thing is is that it's almost like um you have to coin like a new term for it because if you were just to use it exclusively as like a um a laptop it's technically like a netbook, but a net workstation um, because mm. it's so per- – the CPUs, we can actually bypass the 3.5 gigahertz all-core um, uh, limit. So you can actually push past that. So you can go up to like 50 watts on this thing, even though that you should be doing that when you're plugged in and the heatsink really can't support that. When you do so, you start approaching like first-tier Threadripper class cpus in terms of multi-threaded performance so you're you know like you're you're touching you're almost about to touch what used to be like high-end desktop on a little laptop uh obviously you have to push it like nuts and it's not really what i would advise but even if you go down to 32 watts you get 3.5 gigahertz all core it's very performance cpu wise so it's it's a really wonderful time for people that are in the handheld scene it's still yeah. very niche and i would personally only recommend the steam deck i like if you said should i get the WinMax 2 or the steam deck i would say get the steam deck uh, like as a general i would say mm. get the steam deck as a, because, as a rule of thumb you go for that one yeah 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 but customer support uh support in general True. from valve it's just going to be a better overall experience it, you, there's gonna there's uh, technical savviness that is required of a generalness to like say I want to use a WinMax 2. Yeah, okay. but it, it does sound like a really versatile device though. Yeah, if, if you are into that kind of space of being competent enough yeah. to kind of and comfortable enough to kind of have that, then yeah. Yeah. Also, it sounds like basically a few steps more um, to say uh, 
expandable than now the Steam Deck already is, what people love. So to continue the initial question, current favorites, handhelds, mine currently is the Steam Deck, um, but I don't have as many as you have currently, but we will get to that question. Uh, but yeah, the, the Steam Deck is expandable as heck, and so you can just like do... A th- just imagine... Can I do that? And the, the answer mostly is it's a PC, so yeah, you can do. And uh, yeah, it sounds that the GPD Win Max can even do more than that, also because it has much more expandability. So, uh, okay, cool. Chris, I don't have to ask you because I know, but for the listeners and viewers, what is your favorite handheld? Yeah, it, it's the uh, Nintendo Switch. Um, <laughs> that's just the, Ninten- the Nintendo fan speaking in me. But, you know, it's obvious to kind of point out why the Nintendo Switch is, you know, a, a great handheld and and kind of how it's changed things you know over the past five years and how many people have kind of now come into that space and kind of that form factor i guess is that what they kind of legitimized i I don't know but really kind of thinking about the switch it just kind of alludes the past 30 years of nintendo's hardware history in one product it does a lot of things you know like the fact that that the joy cons can do so much it's probably a help and a hindrance, to be honest, but that's why they're so expensive to replace. But um, there's a lot kind of heritage in that device, which lends itself to so many different types of experiences. But there's just the sheer fact that there's like six, 7,000 games on it. And I mean, I haven't got a Steam Deck, so maybe my opinion would change if I did have one and had you know access to all of the Steam OS, uh, Steam library on, on the go. But just the sheer volume of games on this thing and the fact that it's just it just feels like a combination of 30 years of Nintendo in, in one to the point that I get, I mean, it's, you know, if you compare it to like the Wii U and that, that felt like a beta to what this product is. And um, it kind of makes me feel a bit worried about what they're going to do next. Cause they're, they're obviously going to do something different cause they always do, but it's like, no, you've got, you've got this good thing. Keep it going. I, I, but yeah, I, I love the switch. So I have two things to talk about for the switch. Um, <clears throat> number one was, uh, in 2016, I went to a conference where NVIDIA was demoing a NVIDIA tablet that would switch. So the they were, chip, yeah. yeah, so they were just, NVIDIA was just like, yeah, you could just, you know, play with this as like an Android, uh, you know, handheld, and then you'd dock it down mm-hmm. and play on your big screen TV. I remember talking to right. them about that. I was like, yeah, that's, that sounds cool. Um, and then, you know, when Nintendo was coming out with their thing, everyone obviously was excited for that. But uh, the second thing I want to talk about is that the Nintendo Switch gets a lot of flack that is a bit unfair. And that is only speaking to the point that it is exceedingly old hardware. However, Mm -hmm. it is hitting well above its weight class in terms of what it is doing. If you were to imagine a device that its total system power, LCD, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, the chip itself, the fan, sound speakers, the whole bit, all of that running, and you're taking around five watts total, and it's able to run Witcher 3, even with its, you know, downscaled image quality, it is impressive. Doom Eternal, all of these are, the Switch is hitting way above its weight class, so... um. I think it needs to be said that, like, you know, you have to frame things in perspective of how much power the thing is using in total, because the Steam Deck will use up to 28 watts, and that's almost six times more than what the Switch does. So when you like, oh, all right, you know, are you getting six times better 
and in some cases you are, but in a lot of cases, you know, you really aren't. Like when you take a look at like The Witcher 3, you can clearly see that it's better image quality, but would you say it's six times sure. better image quality? I don't know if I would say that. Um, so, yeah. And that, yeah. and that power, that power kind of comparison, it, it, again, kind of goes back to the kind of heritage of the company in terms of like, I remember there was a lot of, they made a lot about how the Wii, when that came, first came out, used a very low kind of power amount. And, even you know, because they had it on all the time, didn't you? They could have it, it the blue light on the front of it would come on. Um, and they made a big thing then about how the power consumption was really low and they they made that a focus for their hardware. So it's just kind of that through line of the kind of, they always reuse and readapt and, you know, kind of, and it's the same here, I guess. Yeah. I would say that uh, going back to then has paid dividends for them today because mm. they had to compromise on how much they could push performance wise. They got mm. very, very good at, making very good image quality with very little power. And you look at Super Mario Odyssey, yeah. you look at Luigi's Mansion 3, those games look incredible on Switch. Yeah. They look fantastic and, on Switch. And that's one of the things that I picked up on the last couple of weeks in a lot of the reviews for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet seem to be kind of dragging on the Switch hardware and pointing at that and saying like, oh, because of the aging hardware, that's why this game is the way it is. And that's not the case at all. Um, you know, you, like you've said, like the Witcher runs on this machine, you know, Bayonetta has just come out, um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, you know, these are, this, this machine can do, you know, I don't know what the right word is here, kind of in the context of the Switch itself, but, you know, kind of high, high fidelity stuff and, and make it work, so. Yeah, it's, it's uh, really just about trying to, uh, optimize in very specific ways. Like Super Mario Odyssey, there are times where there is uh, like a draw distance thing where they will actually um, take out the 3D model and put in a 2D like yeah. thing that'll just kind of like move in the background. But it happens so subtly and your focus isn't on there. So your peripheral doesn't really pick up on it, but it's a huge savings. And it's just that attention to detail and the, you know, everything that they do, even like their focus on mint mapping, uh, which is like a super old thing, but the way that they do it uh is it's on another level and they they take that to the next level and that's it it shows it shows as plain as day um so yeah i'm in agreement my i think i think the thing that would be the death knell for a, a switch successor is if they were to say oh the switch whatever two is not compatible with switch one that would be yeah. the worst idea they could possibly do I don't think they'll do it. Yeah, because that would be like absolute, that would just be like suicide. Um, yeah, and I I mean, I hope they don't do it. And part of me thinks they won't either because they do seem to be pushing kind of a unified Nintendo account now. And they, they seem to mention it a lot in like their financials and stuff like that. Oh, you know, we've got this many people now using the Nintendo account, like this separate thing. So hopefully they kind of have this unified vision for going forward and it is backwards compatible. Because yeah, like you said, if it, if it isn't, Oh boy. Not pulling an apple and just like saying, okay, now it's USB-C. Everything, throw away all your lightning cables. Yeah. Everything's yeah. deprecated. That <laughs> exactly. is no longer good. Buy but, again. But to get back to the Pokemon Violet and Pokemon Scarlet thing, um, th that's a discussion that I also see and that I followed that a lot of people just say, okay, it's because the hardware is so old. But there is a certain guy I know who happens to podcast and uh, has tried the thing on the Steam Deck, the games on the Steam Deck and emulated them. And even on the Steam Deck where it's six times better, like you just said, it doesn't run better. It's just the game is poorly optimized. And I know that I heard from some people that play it on like high-end PCs where there's much mm -hmm. more headroom and there the game runs better, but it's still so poorly optimized that even on these PCs, 
it uses way too many resources. Just that the difference is yeah. there is so much more resources to to use. And the thing is, it's this is I would say a lot on Game Freak, even knowing that Game Freak even like in the past on the Switch released games that worked better than this one. So uh, it's I don't I would it's not say yeah it's not the hardware. Maybe the hardware doesn't yeah. help. I mean, probably. Right, but there's like an underlying cause there that is just like they had their B team or something just like they just like, oh, we figured out the best gameplay. He's like, okay, well, you got to make the rest of the game. They're like, oh, no. (laughs) Put it together. Their their development cycle for this was clearly way too tight. I mean, people forget that, you know, Legend Arceus came out this year. They've had two big releases in in the same year. And um, yeah, their their transition to HD was rocky anyway. Yeah. And, and now yeah. they've kind of thrown open world into the mix, and that the studios clearly struggled with that transition. So, yeah, I, from what I hear, people say that gameplay wise, it's fantastic. Uh, it's just that mm. it's uh, yes, all all of the reviews I read said they you know they wanted to love it, but these these issues got in the way. So yeah, the technical issues are uh, unfortunate, but if they it doesn't matter. They sold what ten million copies or something like some yeah. absurd number. Like doesn't matter. So yeah, they'll yeah. they sell like crazy so uh i mean that would that won't stop them so but let's let's just hope that uh despite i'm not know how to say that not because of these numbers they just say okay we can continue releasing games like that people still buy them like crazy so uh, well we'll see yeah now to stay in the handheld business again and we are talking a lot about nintendo what is then your all-time favorite handheld character Mine is uh, undoubtedly the GBA SP. Uh, I absolutely... So I had the original uh, Game Boy Advance, and they once again came out with no backlight, and I was just furious at them. Like, you cannot keep on doing this. Like, you can't just... Like, I understand that you want two AA batteries to last a very long time, but you got to put a backlight in this. And then there was a, a guy who made a mod for the original Game Boy Advance called the Afterburner, and I bought it, and... Set a solder like two things, and when you powered it on, it illuminated, so it was perfect. I was like, This is great. And then a little while later, Nintendo came out with the GBASP, which was the little clamshell one. And man, just the form factor of it and everything was just fantastic. I just, I loved how, like, just closing it up, just throwing it. I, my, I have a silver one that has like a bunch of scratches all over it because I just literally just threw it everywhere with me. And I'd always take it with yeah. me. The battery, it was a, had a rechargeable battery, which I liked at the time, even though the charging cable was proprietary. I didn't really care. Um, and then they made like USB ones so that you can easily just connect it and stuff. But yeah, without a doubt, I would say that my, my genuine love of handhelds probably started with the GBSP, even though I had handhelds prior. I always didn't like, so I had like the Turbo, I have the Turbo Express, which is up there. The Turbo Express, and that takes six AA batteries and lasts about 15 minutes. Uh, I had <laughs> yeah. the Game Gear, which also lasted about 15 minutes. And I had the Game Boy, which was impossible to see, but lasted forever. Uh, and yeah. I was just like, man, there's always just some compromise with these things. And then the GBASP was like the first one where it was just like better than Super Nintendo and just super portable, last forever, was perfect to watch. Uh, it was just fantastic. Yeah, of all the Nintendo handhelds, uh, of all the Nintendo handhelds, that's the only one I never owned. Like uh, I started with the Game Boy, and from them I owned them all till today. It's the only one I never. Wait, you're the you're the guy who bought the Game Boy Micro. Uh, Yeah, I had like one. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't remember if I um, ever used it, but I remember that I had one. Yeah, um, mine's the same. I, mine, I, I put GBA in, in the show notes, but I actually mean the GBA SP um, because like you, Carrie, I had the GBA and then immediately wanted the GBA SP when that came out because, yeah, you have to have that backlight. Um, and it's just the fact that, you know, it played all of the old Game Boy games as well. That was huge because I'd spent like the last... I don't know, five, six years buying Game Boy games and the fact that I could bring these over just to speak to kind of the backwards compatibility point earlier. It's important, especially when you're like 15 and you want to keep playing your old games or whatever it is and you've invested all this money in it. And especially when it's your like your pocket money or your, you know, your right. whatever it is, you know, it's it is important to a kid. And to be able to carry that over was was a big deal. Um and I just remember like loving the, the library of games on that thing. You know, it it felt fresh, even though most of Nintendo's output on it was just snes re-releases or rehashes or whatever um had a great library um and yeah the, really the, the design of it was was really great and the only thing really was the shoulder buttons were a little bit too small but yeah i i mean i didn't i didn't really mind it all that much. i mean i agree with you but i never really minded all that much it was just no it's just something that i just like if i had a pocket of time and i was out i would just like immediately just start playing on it um but, you know, there were some really fantastic games that were on there. Like, not even just Super Nintendo ports, but, like, full-on new stuff that just looked... Like, the first Castlevania was kind of rough, but then uh, Aria of Sorrow came out, and that was just, like, nice. Like, I like how they definitely made it for that screen. It was like... I mean, obviously, PlayStation 1 was more of a, uh, people going for 3D, but it looked as good as uh, Symphony of the Night. And it was mm. ah, just amazing. So, um, yeah, um, it did have a fantastic library. Um, but Including also my the best favorite. Pokemon of all time, Pokemon Emerald. I stopped playing Pokemon uh, after Pokemon Yellow. Okay. So, um, yeah. like, really, like, I mean, original Game Boy. So it's just like, mm. I never, I, like, enjoyed Pokemon Yellow, but when I saw the, all the other ones, I was just like, okay. I love the formula of Pokemon where, and there's other games that mimic this. Um, on, I always mention this. And so Turbo Graphics, there was a game called Final Lap Twin, which is a racing game, but right. it, they had a story mode as like a secondary thing that they didn't even really talk about. And it's a full featured sports RPG. You are, it's a racing RPG that has the Pokemon formula where you go and race the village champ and beat him and get parts for your car and go to other right. villages to race the champ and beat them up till you get to the world championship. And it works so well for sports RPGs that um, I just really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, so I love that idea of, you know, you're kind of, you have these goal, immediate goals that you kind of understand in Pokemon uh, outside of just wanting to collect certain uh, Pokemon. But yeah, it's, um, mm. Pokemon Yellow was I still have my Pokemon Yellow. For the most part, I have most of the games that I bought as I was growing older, but uh, some of them either were uh, sold or stolen. Yeah, that's the, I can add um, my favorite handheld because I don't own it anymore. I have no clue where it is, uh, and I completely regret it. But I have also have to break like the Nintendo uh, streak. For me, it was the PSP because I am 
Well, the PSP did to me what the GBA SP did for you, get you into a handheld business, because back in the days when I got the PSP, I, for whatever reason, I don't really know why, but in like my high school and in my hometown, a lot of people had a PSP. There was like an abundance on PSPs, a lot of people got them, and I was basically the guy who knew how to hack them. Uh, fun fact, back in the days, you one way of hacking them, I think that was like the most Uh, recent hacking way was you had to have a spare battery replace the firmware on the spare battery and that allowed you to get it in the bootloader of the PSP to install custom firmware and with the custom firmware back in the days you you mostly were able to install homebrew software so emulators for the N64 and all that also mm. uh, we were teens so we didn't really care about copyright law but uh, pirate games because as a 15 year old you don't have expendable income so that's what we did and People always came to me to just say, hey, how I have a PSP. How do I get uh, games and how do I play N64 on this? And there was a website back in the days. I don't think it exists anymore. I have to look it up uh, if I remember the name. There was a French website where I learned all this stuff. It was just a French blog right. that always uh, published new things, new, uh, here's a new tool, new hacking tool, here's a new emulator and so on. Basically what we do with Overkill just for the PSP. And this right. website later on, launched an Apple blog and I then got into, I bought an iPod Touch because of that website because I that was also at the same time. So all about the jailbreak community, how you installed installer back in the days uh, to get yeah. your, your apps before there was an app store. And one thing you need to know about Luxembourg, where I'm from, is that as a teen, you either hate or love French. There's like, it's not in the thing in the middle. We learn a lot of languages in Luxembourg. We start with German normally and then it's French. And because uh, a lot of people are more like, and Luxembourgish is more like German, so they hate French because it's a Latin language. I also disliked French and I said, why is there no German website about hacking iPhones and jailbreaking iPhones? So I launched my own, then started journalism and then went to a newspaper. So basically everything started because of that one website that had the PSP news. And, and here you are today. And here I am today <laughs> podcasting. So uh, yeah, the PSP basically, I always say that, but the PSP made me who I am today because it just mm. awakened that interest in the homebrew community and jailbreaking stuff and uh, reading guides and writing guides. And uh, yeah, back full circle, here we are again. And uh, now it's st again a handheld, so it's not an Apple blog anymore. It's a handheld, but slightly bigger than the PSP. <laughs> But yeah, yeah I imported a, a PSP from Japan um, and it was just using it, like you said, just to play like Super Nintendo games on it. So and yeah, <laughs> I had fun with it. Yeah. So um, I full circle back again to the PSP. But I don't have it anymore. I don't know what it is. I am trying currently to source one again uh, through some friends who think they have some on the attic. So I'm telling them to go clean up. But uh, yeah, there. I do have um, a quick word on the PSP. Um, the PSP was interesting insofar as in 2008, uh, the Open Pandora started coming out, which was um, an open source handheld and took three years before anyone actually got it. So I was like 2011 before they even started delivering. But um, the PSP was something that I feel like a lot of people because it was so hackable and you could run so many emulators on it and stuff. Uh, yeah. I bought a PSP go for like 20 bucks off of someone in like 2000, early 2010s. And uh, I was using it and I was like, ah, I'll buy it for 20 bucks. It's going to be garbage in like a few years because there's going to be other handhelds that come out. that are going to be more powerful than that. And 
it didn't happen for like almost eight years. The PSP go was the de facto best retro handheld device. Uh, it could play PSP games, but it also did, you know, Super Nintendo emulation to some degree and a mm. bunch of different emulators to uh, different degrees. But nothing actually stepped up to the plate to be a low cost retro handheld device. And the PSP Go and PSP models kind of were like owning the, the thing. But the supply of them started going away. And then the second hand market, mm. the prices of PSP Goes just started climbing. And it became crazy because there was some retro game handhelds that came out that didn't do as well as the PSP, like couldn't do as much as the PSP, but they were like 50 bucks. But then the PSP Go was like 120, 140. And it's just like, how did this happen? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that it's super old hardware, but nothing really eclipsed it until, until about like 2019 um, for like retro handheld type of perspective. So had a long life. Um, I never had a PSP Go, but um, I'll tell you what I did have, and this is the, my, my worst handheld of all time. I thought I could quickly tell you that um, was the TigerGame.com. Um, oh wow, that thing! That I don't even bad. know what it is. Um, Tiger? Yeah, I don't. Ha- I don't I have. One. I'm aware of it. In terms of when it came out, I'm going to say like '96 sort of time. When was um, anyway? The re- I, I saw it and I thought it was. I saw I saw like the ads for it at Christmas, and I, I must I must have been like what nine, ten, or something at the time. And I, I must have begged my mum to get it, and and she did, and it was really bad. Um, it had a capacitive touchscreen, which at the time I thought was amazing, um, but when I actually got it, the games just were terrible and i had a batman game which was like a tie-in for whichever batman movie was out at the time i want to say batman and robin which i don't know what what time frame that puts it in if any of you know when that movie came out but um it just crashed like i couldn't even get into the game and my mum had spent all this money on it and i had this like weird like 10 year old guilt in my head that i knew my mum had gone out and spent all this cash on it on christmas and i just did not enjoy it and it was a steaming pile of rubbish and yeah don't get that console it's terrible (laughs) If you ever see one, it's not even worth picking up. I mean, as a curiosity, sure, but it's not a good piece of hardware. I think to me, the worst handheld, and it, it wasn't that bad, but I've just remembered that, that I used to have an N-Gage, and I remember that was like the first Tomb, Tomb Raider. Side talking. <laughs> yes, that was like <laughs> the first Tomb Raider on that, and I think that, and Sonic, I think that these were the only two games that I ever was able to find in Luxembourg. Uh, I think it was impossible to find any other games, so I played a lot of Tomb Raider 1 and a lot of Sonic, and I can't stand these games anymore, because this was, this was the only thing I could play back in the days. But I think it sold like, still sold like 3 million uh, yeah, that did okay. Or something like that. So uh, yeah, the engage probably single-handedly oh, yeah. destroyed the uh, gaming phone market. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There have been like every type of thing that you see that's like, check out this new gaming phone. It's a rectangle. Like it's just like, hey, look at this, look at this gaming phone right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. That, that's a gaming phone, phone huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just the yeah. phone. It's just a phone yeah. with uh, some RGB at the back. So uh, yeah, uh, so it's unfortunate. And then yeah, the Xperia Play came out, and they Sony sent that out to die. So that's the thing that I continue to wish for. Um, just a quick side note: if you look up uh, Power Mad Modder and Gadget, you'll find me. Um, I had uh, hacked uh, hacked. I just ripped off some of the keys on a uh, Epic 4G because I had a slide out keyboard. So I just ripped off the keyboard keys and just made like a D pad and face buttons so that I could have a slide out gamepad. 
And uh, I just did a thing on it, and they wrote an article on it, surprisingly. Um, I'll stick a link, yeah. a link in the show notes for that, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Power so Mad Modder. How many handhelds do you currently have, if you have the number, like, the top of your head? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go around the room. I have 12, 13 on my desk right now. 13 on, on your, your desk. desk. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So either there are a lot of you on your desk or it's a very big desk. Okay. It's a big desk, but it's super messy. <laughs> and are these like um, ones you can currently get or is it like a mix of retro ones and uh, retro in the terms of uh, new ones you get meant to play retro games? Yeah. So there's a few of those on here, um, but most of them, I'd say like the INEO 2 is one that is not available, like people can pre-order it, but it's not available just yet. Um, the WinMax 2, people have now. I have two Steam Decks. I have the RG505, but people have this. People have this already. Uh, I have to finish up my review after this. Um, RG353. So most, I would say most of them are the retro handheld type of devices using some type of arm chip uh, to some degree. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I have too many. <laughs> what are your thoughts then on the current growing, growing, because I feel like, so the thing is I got due to the steam deck, I got really interested back into the, back into the handheld business and I got really interested in mm. it. And now I'm also like learning a lot of stuff that you were probably already knew for like, I don't know how long. And, uh, when I feel, when I look now at this market, I feel like there's one new handheld basically every second week. Maybe, maybe at least one per month. So yeah, it's busy. It's busy. Also, often it's the same company that's just like bringing one out again. I, th I know that with the Retroid Pocket 3 Plus, there was like this whole big discussion where people said it's coming too soon. And yeah. so what are your thoughts on this growing market? Is, the kind of landscape right now, yeah. Is it just um, like madness and then it will like bring itself in or will it stay madness? Or is it completely different and I just threw something out there? So the, here's the deal, is that the market is saturated with too many models. It's confusing for most everybody. All of these devices that you're seeing remain exceedingly niche insofar as, like, the Odin, which is probably one of the best in terms of price, I think that sold, like, maybe, like, 15,000 units, uh, roundabout. Right. So. I mean, it's great for these smaller companies, but also when you take a look at the uh, Odin, they are very price conscious. So they're like going very, very low on their margins to make up for it in volume, but they're not really making it up in volume either. Like if Dell said we sold 15,000 units, that would be a gigantic failure. But to these other smaller companies, that's a huge success. Uh, yeah. Or at least, the, you know, they have to have some type of profit margin in there. And I would say that the AYN company itself, um, they have handhelds that they had on pre-order. I, I paid 300 and some odd dollars for um, an Intel model that they had. I still don't have it. I don't even know when I'm going to get it. Maybe quarter two of 2023. So for a lot of people, you know, there's a reserve for some of the 6800U, but it would be the cheapest 6800U handheld that you can get. It would still be more expensive than the Steam Deck. Um, the, there's too many models. Uh, mm. Unless you're tech savvy enough to understand them, 
it can be difficult to wade through. I think already it's too saturated. Um, GPD does a better job in terms of, no, we just have a GPD Max 2. It has like different storage capacities, but there's not like, you know, the Geek, the Geek 2, the Retro Power version. There's, it's just one. And then they sell it versus, yeah. you know, different yeah. capacities. Um, I, I don't know if they will rein that in because ultimately they do not sell a lot of units to what we would typically like. What is this? How many switches are sold? A hundred million? Some 110 some million. Like yeah. That. So that, that is like a hundred million consoles in a generation. That's like solid. That's, you know, Xbox 360, that's PS3. PS2 was 200 million or something, but a lot of people are buying DVD players for that. So you figure a hundred million is like the number of like you, that was a super successful amount. If the steam deck just crossed a million that if from a Microsoft, Sony or Nintendo perspective, that would be considered almost a failure. But from for Valve's perspective, they're only selling it from the steam store. That is yeah. a milestone that they reach, and that's to be congratulated. Sure. It's a different game they're playing at the minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you look at these other guys, and they're selling, you know, 10,000 units, 15,000 units. Yeah, and I guess, what, what is it that you think has kind of brought it on? Because it's been this, like, sea wave, hasn't it, over, over the last couple of years of all of these types of devices? And is it just a case of the technology kind of reaching a, a kind of critical mass in terms of its affordability, and all of these people are trying to rush in to tr- try and carve up their own kind of niche of it and and see what sticks i guess is that's kind of my kind of assessment of it looking at it um that they're all putting out so so many just throwing so many darts at the dartboard to see what sticks and it seems a bit odd but i guess it doesn't the strategy seems a bit odd in terms of the volume i guess in terms of the numbers of different models you know so um there is a bit of recently maybe in the past year or two that mm-hmm. um the uh, machining and prototyping that has been available in Shenzhen has yeah. reached a level where they can now, like when I get prototypes of devices, these are one-off devices. These aren't like right. made, but like when I get it in, it is almost as close as possible to what the production model will be, but it is a one-off 3D printed concept. Mm. So the the degree of the manufacturing uh prowess that Shenzhen has grown into where they can now manufacture ad hoc one off really good designs like the Ionia mm-hmm. 2 or whatever like you get it in your hand and you're like this looks amazing like we if we talk about like a 10 year difference right it's a world of difference there used to be made in china and now made mm-hmm. in china meets something completely different yeah um, yeah it's you just the, the economies of scale of it have reached a point where just chucking out a, a, a single kind of volume prototype is a, is a thing that isn't un, un, you know kind of unimaginable because it's it's reached that point yeah, yeah so they can like make right. all these models very rapidly without a big sunk cost uh it used mm-hmm. to be like you know molds used to cost a bunch of money and they still do but there's like how rapidly they do them and how it's it's a totally different ball game I personally think if you look at all of these things, even back to the GPD Win 1, they only sold, like the GPD, I'd say probably the GPD Win 2 over the lifespan of it had like the most units. So they had maybe 
40 to 50,000 units sold in, in its entirety. But when the GPT-2 came out in like 2017, 2018, it stood alone in PC gaming handle. There was nothing else but the GPT-2. Right. And it was, it still the remains. Timing of it. Yeah, it still remains the smallest actually pocketable PC gaming handheld today. There is no other device that does that. Uh, you can't fit any other of these devices in your pocket without, you know, an analog stick poking out and like pulling out. Like you wouldn't put a switch in your pocket with Joy-Cons just exposed because it'd be uncomfortable. And that's kind of like where they are right now. And um, so the GPM-2 had this amazing power portability. It was uh, expensive. It was like $650 at the time, but it stood right. alone. and they had a good amount of sales uh, from that. And then from that, from the GPU-N2 and how much they were doing, you started seeing other people start coming in there. So then there was one net that came in there. Uh, Ioneo started coming in around 2020. I got a prototype of the Ioneo in 2019. Um, so uh, that was the first AMD handheld, which is what we were waiting for for a long time because we were still using Intel stuff. So... Um, yeah, it was like uh, Intel had a stranglehold on the PC side in Shenzhen only because Intel mm. did such a good job with supporting it. They would give amazing pricing for small uh, minimum order quantity. Uh, so right. you can get like a thousand of them for like, you know, as good pricing as you as like Dell or whoever going to get buying very small volume. Um, mm. And now AMD is starting to get in there. So you're starting to see the 6800U now in that field where they're just appearing so um it's an exciting time but it, throughout all of this time throughout this entire segment there have been only the most hardcore people that have been entering into this and right eventually if they keep on saturating this market you're going to burn out those people that are mm-hmm. funding this entire initiative because it, from sure. my perspective it's always the same people that are buying it. It's just, you know, they have more, you know, available money to just spend on gadgets and stuff. It's almost like, you know, the type of people that will go, oh yeah, I'm going to buy a a 4090 for $1,700 retail because they can. It's like, yeah, no, I want the best and I'll pay $1,700 for it. I paid $1,700 for it. And then I felt immediately guilty after getting that GPO. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. I can't. So I just, I got rid of it and I couldn't, I couldn't rationalize with myself. Um, yeah, so it won't last then, is, is I guess the point. Because yeah, there's people who are kind of propping it up, I guess. Um, some will win and, you know, some will kind of make, make it through. But as you say, like the, the bar to entry has been lowered so much in terms of getting these things to market. But the appetite and kind of audience for them needs to find yeah. itself, I guess, and settle down, I guess. Uh, I think like the next... A step that they really need to do is find a way to get presence in any of Western places in Europe, in America, and they need to have a support center in those locations and they need to make deals with Best Buy, Walmart or whoever because they will never get outside of that bubble unless they have that avenue. Yeah. True. Yeah. I also feel that now one thing I've wondered is if currently because only they are only selling as few units as they are selling that they have to kind of 
bring something new just to keep like money flowing in. And so this is why they are like churning out models after models after model because just to say, okay, here's something new because uh, people stopped buying the other one because it's always like the hype peak. And then when that's gone, <laughs> there's no red tail. So, but yeah, it's, it's like, like, it's like that's, that Simpsons meme about, oh, it's Malibu Stacy with a new hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, it's the Simpsons episode. Um, yeah. But do you think that now with the release of the Steam Deck that there are more chances for these brands because there are now more eyeballs that came? Because you just said... Yeah, it's like Steam, it's like one Valve million. kind of validated the model. The, exactly. Yeah, um, I think that there's going to be a bigger appetite for that to some degree, I think Valve really not not that Valve needs to do it, but if Valve embraced, which I'm under the impression that they are, if they were to release Steam OS publicly, where you can just you know say, hey, here's an installer, install it on anything, make your device yeah. a Steam machine, and we will hook into it. And here are the hooks that you can use, and then maybe the community gets and does all the work and makes all the hooks work. I think that's probably, especially for like the iNeo 2, because there is no hardware keyboard or hardware mouse, SteamOS inherently just works better on that device, especially with how nice SteamOS is in terms of a console-like experience for playing PC games. So I think that the Steam Deck and SteamOS, those two things, is it's like part and parcel. It's not just the Steam Deck. If Steam Deck came out and was running Windows and operated as it did today, I don't think anyone would like it as much as they did if it wasn't with mm-hmm. for SteamOS. SteamOS is the sauce that makes the Steam Deck nice to use yeah. because you just Hardware like hit language. yeah, you just hit install and you could I I have to me personally knowing like the landscape of stuff, I doubt many people are actually going into the desktop. I would say the majority of people don't care that it runs Linux. Uh, they, no one, when they get this thing, they just want to play their game and they don't want to have any other, like you say, Oh, make sure you use proton 7.4 or whatever. You're like, well, you know, use proton next. And like, well, what the hell is that? And why do I have to use that? I don't want to do that. I clicked install. I pressed the green play button and I, and I have to start playing now. And for the most part, steam deck and steam OS does that. There are some bigger games that don't because of anti-cheat and I think that once Steam Deck reaches like 10 million units sold, it's time like Bungie and all these other companies are like, we have 3 million customers barking at us saying we yeah, want to play yeah. this. You know what I mean? Uh, we want our MTV type of thing. Um, is that there needs to be this guerrilla campaign from their customer base to start mm-hmm. pressuring these companies to say, make it work on Steam Deck. And that is like the last part of it, but Valve needs to validate this place itself. How that goes on to other handhelds, uh, from my perspective, and looking at the sales units of everything, I Neo 2, GPU Max 2, I mean, the GPU 4 is coming out soon. I don't have it yet. I haven't heard if I'm getting it yet. I potentially will have it. I anticipate that the GPU 4 will sell around 3 million units via Indiegogo. Because that's what it always does. It always sells 3,000 units. Around about, you know, 2,500 to 3,500. Give or take 500. Um, that's what it always sells because it's always the same people that are buying it. Uh, so after the Steam Deck came out, I didn't, see, I didn't see an increase in it. 
there continues to be tribalism um, in these camps. Whenever I talk about it, like my comment section, I was like, Steam Deck's better. Like, <laughs> like, okay. I think Steam Deck is still great. It's still has its, it still has a place. It, the Steam Deck is not going to go anywhere until 2024, at which point I think a successor will come out. There are new chip, uh, chips like Big Phoenix and Little Phoenix that I personally think are for other products and not for Steam Deck 2. Um, but I think that overall, yes, it's positive. It's not there yet because ultimately, from my perspective, what actually sells things is people's trust that what they're buying is not going to burn them. And that, yeah. like, if you go to like, hey, buy this from Indiegogo, and they're like, what, what's an Indiegogo? I'm buying yeah. it. Oh, what, what's my yeah. support? I have to. So, but, what, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, you want it from a company that you actually know is going to still be there in a year, so I yeah. guess. Yeah, that's so just... that that's basically where it is. Is that at the moment I have seen no change, um, optics wise. And, and there's been nothing has changed. Your point about tribalism is is accurate because uh, Kevin wrote a story about Steam Deck alternatives, and uh, yeah, they, yes. they came for him. Yeah, they came <laughs> for me, basically saying that they are all not. So the thing is about this piece is that I went a bit out there with the definition of alternative. So I just not look. I did not only look at things that are in the same ballpark, but also like what's cheaper as long as it's a handheld gaming platform or what's yeah. more expensive. So I mentioned the GPD, the phone. I mentioned yeah. the phone. Yeah. Uh, the GPD Win 4, which is the one, by the way, I am looking most for because it kind of looks like a PSP and we had the PSP story. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mentioned these things and uh, I feel like, which is funny because I, we had that back in, I had that back in the days when I was still an Apple blogger, when there was like this whole tribalism Android against Apple before it was Windows against Mac. So I feel like it's coming back now into gaming. I mean, this has always been in the gaming market, PlayStation against uh, Never gone. Xbox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now it's handles. No, it's handles. Yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, everything against the Steam Deck. And um, yeah, that's like the one thing that's probably, yeah, the, the killer feature of the Steam Deck is SteamOS and the tight integration currently. And uh, so um, what I'm interested in. And that's. Yeah, sorry, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, and that's kind of what's so interesting about the Steam Deck. Kind of, I don't, I don't own a Steam Deck. Um, just kind of as an outsider, I, I see it really interesting because it's got that kind of tight hardware software integration which is what's appealing to kind of the masses, but it's also really, really adaptable and open for the tinkerers as well. So it has that kind of duality of, of, of its appeal, you know. Which is good for me to write guides. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, what I uh, wanted to get to is what I'm interested in now. And I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm myself kind of on the fence because we just said how many switches were sold but now that the steam deck came in and say okay you can also do like the big triple a gaming on this thing i am wondering is microsoft and sony maybe interested in this field is that something will there be a ps vita 2 or maybe i guess i will use another name uh but will there be uh handhelds by them i kind of expect microsoft maybe i don't really yeah. know about sony but what's your take on this so my take on so I it, when the Xbox Series S was first talked about, um, I, my post is still on Resetera. I said, in my opinion, that the Series S was a Trojan horse at, for to create a artificial uh, boundary to later on create a Switch like Xbox handheld. Um, mm. 
if you were to like, this is a video that I'm going to be doing, but I'm going to basically do the math on power. So we can, so we know Zen two on Xbox series S and Xbox series S all core capped at 3.5 gigahertz, but that's Zen two, uh, seven nanometer TSMC, right? We know what Zen three, uh, N six power usage is, but what we don't know, and this is what I'm going to do with math is if, for instance, I can run Zen three cores at 2.7 gigahertz, as opposed to 3.5 gigahertz on, uh, Zen two, but get the same performance. That means that I can hit a, a performance parity with Xbox Series S or Xbox Series X using Zen three at a lower power threshold. And then if we start thinking about like Zen four and RDNA four, uh, or uh, Zen four and RDNA three, or Zen five and RDNA four, at this point you start getting into like RDNA three is like a beefed up RDNA two, right? If you were just to look at Zen Zen four and RDNA three as a platform for an Xbox handheld, there is the math that supports the idea that in a handheld form factor, you can do half of a Series S inside of 10 to 13 watts, which means that you can do 720p on a handheld or 800p on a handheld and then dock it and then up uh, up clock like the Switch does and support Mm -hmm. 1080p or 1440p. Uh, The challenges are at that point when you dock it, the Xbox handheld would technically need to displace 40 to 50 some odd Watts of heat, which is a tall order for a handheld. Um, It's not out of the question because the GPD Max two made by just GPD, who is, you know, 30 employees, they do, they do 40 Watts fine on this device. And the GPD win three is supposed to be a better heat sink than the GPD Max two. So, uh, sorry, the GPU in four is supposed to be a better heatsink. So we should be able to see if I can, how far I can push that. And that's a really tiny device. So if a company like GPD with 30 employees can meet this challenge, certainly Microsoft should have the capability to say, okay, yeah, we can do a half clocks, uh, two teraflop worth of power to achieve 60 FPS, 720p on a handheld and then dock it to get this next level uh, and just match a series S. So that's, that's the, that's the thing I saw was like, it's such an, it was such an arbitrary number because they had the Xbox one X and that was six teraflops of GPU power. And then the Xbox series X is 12, but series S is four. And it's like, well, why would you, why did you choose four? Why did you go there? And then just like doing the numbers, especially with the GPD win three, which has two teraflop of GPU compute. There were some games where I was doing 720p 60. And I was just like, you know, if not that teraflops are interchangeable like that, but it seemed to me that two teraflop was a baseline number of being able to hit that. And sure enough, like the steam deck is 1.6 teraflop. It's CPUs are the only reason that we don't hit 60 FPS often. Literally, the C- if you were to look at the power profile on both, the four-core Zen 2 ZPUs take around 15 watts if you were to push them 3.5 gigahertz all-core. 1.6 gigahertz on the RDNA 2 cores is around 10 watts. So you can fully feed the GPU and somewhat partially feed the CPUs 
but you can't full feed the GPUs. You can't do both. Unless you were to push the TDP to like 29 watts, which is not possible. Well, I guess if you were to hack the, if you were to use, um, what is it, Shadow? There's like a Shadow BIOS that you can use. But um, it's not it's not recommendable because the, the heatsink on the Steam Deck is not made to run at that at that wattage. So it'll overheat. So the thing here is that we know that CPUs are necessary. Zen 4 at a lower frequency should be able to hit that 60 FPS cap at a lower power threshold than Zen 2 or Zen 3, especially on uh, TSMC N5, potentially TSMC N4. Um, and then you have RDNA, uh, RDNA 3, or I would say it's probably going to be Zen 4, RDNA 3. I would anticipate that we would hear news about that in E3 time. And then it would release for uh, holiday season, which who knows? Because like Super Switch is like everyone's like March 15th, you know, the the next the next Zelda Super Switch is (laughs) coming. And I think it would be a perfect avenue for Super Switch to come out because, you know, you have the next. I mean, you look at Breath of the Wild, which is a fantastic game, and its attach rate when it first came out was bonkers. The attach rate for Breath of the Wild was like. It was like 105%. That means that people were buying yeah. two copies for every... Yeah. <laughs> like they sold... There's people that either bought a copy of the game and didn't have a Switch, or people bought two copies. They bought the special edition and a regular edition. Yeah, all um, the special editions, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's how good it's sold. So it's like, well, we could do this again. Uh, I would personally... But if they didn't, if Nintendo did not... They could Microsoft could find themselves in a position where they would be able to have this uber powerful handheld versus a Super Switch. The Super Switch would still be very good, but it would still outcompete a Super Switch. Yeah, when Nintendo moves is going to be interesting to kind of keep an eye on because it, you know the Switch came out and then two years later they did the Switch uh, Lite and then two years after that they did the OLED and now we're coming up to kind of two years on from that in the next that's, year so who knows that's the nintendo playbook like when everyone was like oh yep. switch pro is coming i was like no 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 no. we all know what happens it was the 3ds the 3ds xl uh the yes. 2ds and then yeah. the new 3ds like they yeah. make the mini and the max first they they there's yeah. the main model then the mini and the max and then the next model they've done the OLED one is their their xl the switch xl so yeah the next model that's coming is going i don't like switch pro i it better be named super switch um <laughs> yes I, I, they, they won't go switch pro there's no chance i can't just it now there's there's, there's no I world can't they call see it them just pro. calling it the new switch the yeah, nintendo the new, new switch, switch. Well, that, yeah. they could do that would be nintendo <laughs> the nintendo new yeah. switch yeah i can i kind of kind of yeah. expect them so you say if there's a microsoft handheld it will be maybe announced next year e3 is that your yeah current? so it's it's either going to be announced this year because they have the capability to do it right now, meaning they can do TSMC N4, already have it taped out, get Zen Zen 4 and RDNA 3, which is Little Phoenix. That's what, you know, everyone's talking right. about Little Phoenix for Steam Deck 2. That would be Little Phoenix. That is, if we were just talking about Little Phoenix in general, Big Phoenix is like 35 to 45 watt. Big Phoenix would be what would be going into an Xbox handheld. Um, right. But you would downclock it to 15 watt in handheld form and go up to 35 and 45 watt. Um, okay. it, like literally the, um, there's a guy that like looks at Linux kernel logs and is like, Oh, here's, here's, fin- here's big Phoenix. Here's the, here's the info for it. And he's like, 
the TDP for it specifies 35 and 45 watts. So this is the guy that also um, uh, was taking a look at Van Gogh when no one knew Steam Deck was using Van Gogh at the time. At that time, I thought Van Gogh was going to be an Xbox handheld, and which is what I started reporting on. I was like, this is, right. this is an Xbox handheld. And then it wasn't, and then it became Steam Deck. I was like, oh, okay. So then I started doing the numbers on it. My numbers lined up with that guy's numbers in terms of total TDP, like what we know what the CPU uses, what we know what the GPU uses, and what Uncore will use. Uh, with those three parts in the package, you can figure out how much power it is. And this guy is saying that Big Phoenix is a 35 to 45 watt part, which would mean that Big Phoenix would be what um, uh, Microsoft's handheld would use to be a Series S uh, successor. Yeah. Okay, so a successor to the S or like a third one in the line. What would you have... How would you I, I, for me this would be so if they were going to be coming so if there's going to be a PlayStation 5 Pro the uh you know coming um yeah. if there's going to be an Xbox Series X Pro Xbox Series XX whatever you want to call it the successor to the Series S will be the handheld that when you dock it mm. it matches a Series S right okay okay Okay. It's kind of interesting because of the, the the whole kind of cloud streaming stuff that Microsoft is pursuing and, and putting that as in as many places as they can. And when that Logitech G Cloud device kind of got announced, I, I was quite you know excited about the, the premise of that because I I use um, Game Pass quite a lot and got a Series S, but you know I want I want to be able to play in bed like I do with my Switch and play other places as well other than I don't just spend all day in bed. Um, <laughs> But you know the appeal of that was 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 quite interesting. But the Logitech G Cloud, it seemed to just the fact that it was cloud only and the pricing was weird for it. it the proposition yeah. wasn't right. And but Microsoft seemed quite kind of public in it in its kind of support for it. You know they were they were showing it off. Well, Phil was showing it off at Tokyo Game Show and stuff. Um, so I, I, that kind of made me maybe takes a step back on kind of what the, the maybe their mobile the, their handheld plans would be. But listening to you now. Um, it seems, you know, I, I, my position was, oh, maybe they're just going to do the cloud thing and that'll be it. But having something native and dockable would be really, really exciting. Yeah, it would basically be the Microsoft Switch is what it would be yeah. uh, with Game Pass. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's compelling. And with how much big Steam Deck is, I think that the Series S always looked to me like a Trojan horse for something else. It, it made no, yeah. I mean, yes, it's low cost, but its specific power envelope of just being four teraflop and like uh, even like reduced memory uh, throughput. It was like all of these like weird considerations. Maybe it wasn't mm. weird. Like there, it was all just cost in entirely. But for me, it felt like there were ulterior motives with the direction that they were taking. Because if you were to like look at, for instance, LPDDR5X and do 256 bit with uh, which is uh, Octo Channel, Octo Channel LPDDR5X, you would approach the same memory throughput as a Series S. So it's like, well, that number just kind of coincidentally lines up. That's that's interesting. <laughs> Too many coincidences for that not for that to for it to be a pure coincidence then. And Sony yeah. in this whole calculation, or did, does Sony did they just give up? Uh, for me, because Sony has one model, uh, they would have to 
like, I mean, Microsoft took a lot of heat with the Series S because a lot of people are like, you're holding back this whole next generation. Um, the PlayStation 5 has one model. If they were... Like, you look at everything that Microsoft has done, right? You look at um, uh, the smart delivery. Uh, you look at all of uh, uh, save syncing. You look at all of the back-end infrastructure to say, oh, you're running on this particular hardware. Let's send you this textures, these textures, because you're running on an Xbox One or an Xbox One S or an Xbox One X. And it does all of this automation of what to deliver to the user. Microsoft has been developing all of this for years now. And Sony hasn't. And in fact, right. the whole PS4, PS5 upgrade is a is a mess. No one likes it. Like we're like, oh, I put in the PS4 version and then I have to go to start and press this and say I want to do the PS5 upgrade. Then I take out my PS4 disc and I put in the PS5. No one wants to do that. that. Sounds fun. Yeah, it's right. a mess. Um, I don't think that, uh, for me personally, I don't think Sony is going to do a handheld because they have been showing outwardly that they're not doing any of this stuff. Yeah, and I think another wrinkle of it is, you know, you look at what Microsoft's doing and the kind of multi-pillar approach, like you've just said, but also Sony, you know, they're doing VR and Microsoft isn't. So, you know, in terms of their resources and their kind of focus, they're going a different route. So, yeah. Yeah, um, and then, you know, uh, PlayStation has their PC initiative, which every time they release is a Steam Deck verified title. Um, yeah, so, true. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I like... I have no idea. All I know is that I'm super happy that Sony is like six months, one year or whatever, and then it'll come out on PC. I'm hopeful that one day it's day and date, maybe a few years later on. But I know that's going to be a very. That'll be a day. That'll be a day because there was a lot of forum, you know, just tribalism they were like when when microsoft was like we're going to release all of our games on pc as well yeah the main argument was like well why would i buy an xbox then and now if playstation were to do day and date for pc the same argument would have to apply or they would have to have a double standard yeah but yeah it just doesn't matter for microsoft because of their model and their subscription approach so at the end they still then own micro uh windows so i think they are that would be more problem if Linux would be very big on the on the PC market, but in the end, it's either an Xbox, uh, either Microsoft console or Microsoft computer. So in the end, it's always on that platform. So at least on that uh, sense, they do both things. To get to the end of the show, one last question regarding your twenty five thousand handhelds that you have: which are the ones you? use the most currently and for what if you can say except if you have like nda stuff that you're not allowed to talk about i mean i have one weirdo thing that i can talk about but um i I don't i have to do more research on the company um it's a wireless only thing like you do y gig so you plug in hdmi to something and then it wirelessly transmits to the device it's super weird i have to look into it but uh that's aside from that okay the only other thing that i've been doing that's pretty interesting is um i've been forcing myself to use microsoft's xcloud um Mm -hmm. so my gpd xp plus my retroid pocket 3 now my rg505 i have been playing microsoft's xcloud on these devices and i've been uh playing through let's say 90 percent of um i played through skyrim so i'm still playing through skyrim level 63 but exclusively 
on cloud. Um, right. So yeah, it's been um, How are you in terms it? of the say again. How are you finding it? It's it's really great um, because like as you know, as a joke, like I have so many handles, I literally sprinkle them around my house. I have my GPDXP uh, plus in one of my bathrooms. I have uh, my Retroid Pocket uh, on my coffee table. I literally just don't have to bring anything with me. They just are there. And I'm like, oh, you know, let me uh, let me play some Skyrim. And I'll just like kind of finish the request and then find myself kind of filling up whatever pocket of time I had. Um, so, yeah, it's um, the save syncing has been really interesting. It's really quickly. It's very interesting because I downloaded the PC version which is the PC version of Skyrim, which means that the saves are incompatible with the cloud. The cloud opts mm. to do the Xbox version. So cloud and Xbox share saves, but the PC version of Skyrim does not. The interesting bit is that the cloud version acts like the PC version insofar as when I load up Xbox Series X, I get no warnings at all if I load anything. But one of the features that Bethesda games have modern Bethesda games have is like, if you're going to put mods in them, if you put mods in a game and then saved and then went to a vanilla version of that game and try to load that save, it would say, Hey, these files don't exist here. That happens after I save on my Xbox series X and go back to the cloud. The cloud will say, you don't have these versions here. And I'm like, well, why don't I? What? Okay. What? That's weird. But it's um, not a modded yeah. version. It's uh you did not no, it's, add mods. It's, or- no, this is so. This is just the Xbox Special Edition that is okay. with Game Pass. Um, but yeah, been ninety uh, percent of my playthrough has been XCloud only on these smaller handles when I'm not doing anything on a Steam Deck or uh, GPW Max Two. Okay, then what is your toilet handheld? That is the GPDXP Plus. Okay, <laughs> well, I think we can come to the end of the show now. I. Thank you very much for being here. That was very insightful. And there are a lot of tech talk that uh, I never looked at it like that. Now I'm excited for like an Xbox handheld. I'm uh, really looking forward yeah, to man. that. And I'm I can be ex- totally wrong. Well, I I'm hope just, you're like, not. speculating. So I hope <laughs> yeah. you're not because I would be very into that. Because that's like the one thing Same. that I currently miss the most on the Steam Deck is native Game Pass. That's like the one thing I missed most. Also, I live in Luxembourg and technically we don't have officially Game Pass. So if I want to stream, I have to turn on a VPN on the Steam Deck, start the game, turn the VPN off, and then, can, then I can play the game. But that's kind of pitta to do so. Yeah. So yeah. native Game Pass would be great, but I don't want to install Windows. Also, a yeah. uh, little parenthesis, we had, after three months of the Steam Deck being on the market, we had our big survey and we will do it again every year, basically. And there, mm-hmm. back then, at least, of the 1,200 people that participated, only 2% installed Windows on their devices. So it was yeah. very, very, very small. But it was also very, very at the beginning. There were even less drivers or driver compatibility than now. So, yeah. I, uh, I, I'd wager that very little people would actually do it. Um, just like I wager that most people aren't really doing anything outside of vanilla SteamOS. Yeah, just look at the, is it green or is it yellow? And then just do that and talk, That's it. not even bother about Proton. I don't even think people cheese. care. It's like install. And it's like, you know, there might not be compatibility. Yeah, 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 whatever. Okay. Yeah. I, I always say okay to these things. Same. Just go and do. Just <laughs> go and do. Well, thank you very much for being here. You are the Fox P-H-A-W-X. It's me. Everywhere, I guess. Basically yep. everywhere. And we will put links on the show notes. And thank you for being here. And I... 
everyone listening, I hope you had a great show. Give us the thumbs up and the likes and the subscribes and the YouTube comments and uh, whatever. iTunes reviews, so on, so on, so on. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.